This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to Working, the podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Brogan. This season on Working, we're talking to individuals whose jobs touch on various aspects of LGBTQ life. For this episode, we talked with Daniel Friedman of Bindle and Keep, a bespoke clothing company based in Brooklyn that makes custom suits for all bodies. In practice, that means that the tailors of Bindle and Keep work with a lot of people who can't get a perfect fit from your traditional off-the-rack suit. Many of them are women, uh, others are trans men or gender nonconforming individuals. Friedman leads us through the work that he put into getting the company off the ground, uh, talks about how he started to serve that special clientele, and really goes into the details of uh, making people comfortable uh, with the clothing that they're going to wear, comfortable in the environment where they get measured for that clothing, uh, and all of that. It's really cool work. Then in a Slate Plus Extra, Friedman talks about Bindle and Keep's collaboration with the Innocence Project, uh, making custom suits for the recently exonerated. If you're a member, enjoy bonus segments and interview transcripts from Working, plus other great podcast exclusives. Start your two-week free trial at slate.com slash working plus. What is your name and what do you do? My name is Daniel Friedman, and I am co-founder of Bendel & Keep, which is a custom suiting company for everybody. What does that mean, a custom suiting company for, for everybody? Who is your clientele? Um, well, ideally, you know, we've designed this company, so our clientele is everybody, mm-hmm. uh, all gender identities, yeah. um, all needs, mm-hmm. um, you know, all body types. But um, in creating a safe place... Uh, for everybody, we have attracted a larger swath of people who until now are, are continually ostracized by the classic binary retail environment. Yeah. So they come to us to feel like their needs might be met 
because traditional formal or traditional suiting is designed for very specific body types designed to emphasize classic masculine and feminine figures in specific ways yeah i mean there's a certain there's a certain strategy for for companies that focus on a on you know the binary gender mm-hmm. uh approach um you know if you're going to say well this is feminine first you have to define what that means and then you usually try to appeal to the largest swath of people mm-hmm. that you can because you need to make the most sales that you can um we're lucky in the sense that because we make custom clothing um we're making them for each individual need so we took advantage of that and said, well, instead of just saying, okay, well, this is feminine, this is masculine, we asked ourselves what those things mean. And instead of prescribing it, we learned to design it through empathy. Mm. And so it's responsive designing mm. instead of um, convincing someone this is what you need. Yeah. So when you say empathy you mean, and, and responsive, you mean that you're listening to what people themselves, what your clients themselves want to emphasize, de-emphasize, show or not show? Yeah. So basically when people come to us, most of the people, um, especially just from the you know women or trans masculine people, even trans uh, female people who come to us um, have a hard time uh, applying words to uh, the feeling that they want to have in clothing. Hmm. And, you know, classically, you'd say, well, you know, you have to come from that community to be able to help people in that community. And our whole approach is that you don't have to have a PhD in gender studies to make people feel really great about themselves. Um, and so I, what, I, I do have a PhD that was partially on gender studies, and I will say that it gave me no training <laughs> right. in helping people feel great about themselves. Right. Which right. is cool because we want to be an example for companies to say, wait, we can actually work in this sort of work with this market mm-hmm. and we don't have to know what we're doing. All we have to know is that these people are people mm-hmm. and they have certain sensitivities and they have certain triggers. And that's what clothing really is. I didn't realize that until recently that clothing is not about fashion. It's about how we want to feel. And so when you bring up like the idea of curvature and not curvature and, 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 and there's all kinds of, I mean, myriad strategies to, to working with people's needs. Um, but yeah, we're, we're really looking for the idea that somebody comes to us, they need to feel a certain way, the clothing that's available for their bodies out there. They don't, um, they don't always make people feel their best. Hmm. And so we look at what's not working and what's working, listening to their needs, listening to the response, their years of socializing, that's always going to be with them. Um, and we try and make that piece of clothing. It's not always a suit. It could be a shirt. It could, could even be a skirt or a coat. Um, make them feel their absolute best. What was the inspiration for this approach to tailoring? You say that you've only realized some of these these factors that are in play more recently. But were you thinking about serving this kind of broader clientele when you first set out to start making custom suits? Not at all. In fact, I, I this was not even... It wasn't even on my bucket list. Like, it wasn't in my cosmology. Clothing in general, but especially, you know, working and focusing uh, our company to help people from the LGBTQ uh, plus communities. Um, It was, uh, I mean, I'd like to say poverty. I mean, I didn't have a job. I started a company. You have to pay the rent. So you struggle. 
Um, you know, I, I, I often say that uh, this is the good side of capitalism. You can't afford to ostracize anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to serve as many people as you can. And yes, your bottom line is very important. And to do that, you need as many customers as you can. So when, you know, I I was working in, in as, as a tailor starting this company, doing everything. Um, I hired uh, Ray Tutera to apprentice under me um, to just learn, you know, what I've been doing. And um, Ray identifies as transmasculine and... Um, you know, we just went for a drink. We kind of hit it off. Mm. And uh, Ray started blogging that they were working in this, uh, you know, for this company. And um, I think some of the readers felt, well, hey, like, if they're open enough to hire you, maybe they'll put a men's suit on me or a gender-neutral suit. Mm. Um And you just say yes when you're starting out. And that's what we did. And it just opened up the floodgates. Not by any prescription, but more because we were doing it and we were figuring out what the mistakes are and then redoing it and redoing it until we, you know, sort of ironed a lot of the kinks. Um, And it just became an institution onto itself on some level. Did you have a background in tailoring? I mean, how did this even get started in the first place? Um, My background's architecture. Hmm. And I don't know how connected they are. People say, oh, it's so direct, but it's not. Um, I think that the connection is that in architecture, especially when you study, um, you're always trying to sell your ideas mm-hmm. that don't exist mm-hmm. to you know either a professor or a critique, a group of criti- critics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you learn how to kind of preempt where people might sort of give you that stink eye slant. Um in the end, the truth is I, I had to relearn everything. Um, after grad school, I, uh, I experienced a neurological deficit that was unexpected that uh, robbed me of my ability to read properly, mm-hmm. um, which, means I can't, which mean, means I can't write as well. Um, and so I had to find something in life to make a living that would not require me to do extensive reading. And I, I realized I can still work with my hands and I can still design, I can still speak, and people would never be clued into this massive deficit that I had. Yeah. Had you been interested in fashion and suiting before that point? Yeah, I like clothes. Um, I, I liked custom suits. Um, I thought it sounded like an easy business at the time. <laughs> <laughs> did you learn to regret that expectation? If I knew how much work would be involved, I wouldn't I wouldn't have gotten near this. <laughs> you know, it's like you know that saying like man learned to fly because they didn't realize they couldn't. Uh-huh. It's kind of like that. Like if you knew how daunting it would be to do this, like it's it's a good thing you don't, mm-hmm. you know. So I was in your studio the other day in your offices and uh you know, one of the things we'll, – we'll talk more about that in a minute. But one of the things I saw you doing almost effortlessly was taking measurements mm-hmm. from uh, from someone who was there uh, to get a suit. Um, I imagine that that was not something that you just knew how to do. You, you must – I mean, you didn't have a background in tailoring, but you also probably had to learn these really basic things to even 
get started, right? Like what parts of the body to measure and how mm-hmm. to measure them. And how to measure them and how to do it in such a way that it respects people's bodies, respects mm-hmm. their needs and their sensitivities. You learn. You learn. Now it's second nature because we do it so – I mean that was probably – I myself may, might have done it 5,000 times before. Wow. So it's not a – you know, it's not like okay, what are we doing? It's it's like uh, my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of that, you know, that interview process that we do before we even get started in the measurements, talking about what the needs are and how people want to feel, um, that dictates how my hands sort of do the measurements. All, everyone in our company, I mean, it's all second nature at this point, mm-hmm. um, because your goal is to make them the most comfortable and the happiest you can. So the measurements, you know, they're very, very important. They're probably the most important process of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea of getting fit, when people are getting fit, um, it's it, there's two parts to this process. The first fitting, people are very interested in how they feel mm-hmm. during the process. Um, were we respectful? Um, do they feel like we're going to cut them a great suit? Are they hopeful? Um, were we clear? Did they walk away learning a ton of new things about their bodies, about how they dress, how they should dress? Um, the second part, that second fitting, all of that stuff is usually kind of forgotten. And then what the most important thing is, does this damn thing fit me? Because the second fitting, the first fitting, you're finding out what kind of suit they need. The second one, and we'll talk more about these. That's when they try on the suit that you've made for them. Yeah. And there's a third fitting too, because, you know, Alterations are part of the process. I usually tell people just so they can relate that you can't write an essay or an article without editing. That's just part of it. Every great book you've ever read is edited. Um, and that's part of the process of suiting too. You know, once someone sees their body and they see the suit on them, it's you, you usually then say, okay, well, I didn't really want it like that. I want it like this. And so you, you have a, a sort of a datum to work with. Mm-hmm. I, I'd love to know just a little bit more about the foundations of Bindle and Keep mm-hmm. itself. Um, the name. Uh, sure, well, sure, you can tell me what the name. What, what, what is the name? <laughs> the name is – Was um, it always called that? Well, yeah. It, I mean when I started the company, I was pretty much homeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I, I – I, was about, I had no money. I had no real place in New York. I was living on a couch at some point. Um, so I felt, you know, wear this great suit because it made me feel good. But I was really worried about my life and I was worried about, you know, this sort of neurological deficit that I didn't have a lot of yeah. clarity on. Um, and I felt like I was kind of like this hobo living mm-hmm. in New York. And so the idea of this bindle came from the bindle stick. You know what hobos would carry? Yeah. Now, the, the, the little bundle on the yeah, end of the, which the is, stick. Right. And so I guess it's a British thing. It got turned into bindle. But mm-hmm. the idea is that hobos weren't – they were in transition. They weren't lazy. They were looking for places to work. work looking, Some of them were even looking for places to be more permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea is that we paired bindle, that bindle stage, with the keep stage. The mm-hmm. keep is the structural element of a castle. Mm-hmm. Under keep, that's where it comes from, the castle keep. Um, so I was trying to get this company and myself to go from that bindle stage to that keep stage. Fortuitously, it turns out that a lot of our clients, when they come to us, are also in that bindle stage. And they want to get clothing and they want to feel good about themselves also to be, you know, to present in the world in, in, in a keep 
way, in a much more permanent way. How were you making the suits at that early point? Were you doing them yourself? No. We've been with the same – so we have a factory that that Mm -hmm. manufactures all of our suits. We've been with the same factory since day one. We've just all grown together in Thailand. Okay. So we make – we have a – it's a small – it's probably smaller than our office. Mm -hmm. And it's three guys and, you know, they make all of our shirts, all of our coats. Um, And then what we do is we do all the editing, all the – the resizing in our in our studio, which okay. wasn't always like that. I mean, okay, when we first had this company, I had this old little 1986 Toyota pickup truck. Uh-huh. Um, it was, and it lived in New York too, so it wasn't pretty. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it was cool, but it wasn't pretty. And I remember, you know, I I, I couldn't, I didn't have a studio. I couldn't afford my own rent. How was I going to get an office? So. Um, I would just go to people's homes and I would pretend, well, that was our service, which it was, but it was because we didn't have any alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would park my car like way blocks away so they wouldn't <laughs> see that I was actually coming in this, you know, notably poor man's truck. Um, but it was an honest man's truck. It was just a great thing. And, yeah. and like the hustle of just, you know, I think I was telling you this the other day, like I used to have these garbage bags ready in my truck in case it rains so I could put all these suits in garbage bags. How many times I've driven around the city with suits that I had to deliver on my lap. Yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a real uh, – I'd say it was a hustle of the finest capacity. <laughs> Do you ever go visit that factory? Is that part of your – your job is that I don't the have to business? anymore. Yeah. So you know what's amazing is that we know exactly we're we're so we're so you know in sync with what we're doing mm-hmm. that a we can never leave our factory because how do you explain to somebody? Well, you know I understand that the measurements that we have that you need to cut a suit for like the chest is seven inches bigger than it. It, you would think it is, but that's because what we're doing is we're putting it on, you know, different anatomy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's not always clear sure. to everybody. So our factory gets it mm-hmm. and we understand and we've just got this really great cadence and, and relationship that, you know, I don't want to ever go anywhere else. And this is just how we. Yeah. And I imagine that was something that took time to develop even there. Yeah. So, I mean, it took time all across the board because we mm. didn't know what we were doing. Sure. Um, all we knew is that we wanted to make sure that everybody could be served. Yeah. And, you know, at, at first we're like, okay, well, we're going to make a men's suit for you. Then we realized, you know, what does a men's suit mean? What does that – like we, we didn't – a lot of the, the initial assumptions that we, that we had made were turned on their heads. Mm. And then we got – just saying it over and over, we learned to sort of – communicate through through examples and analogies. Like mm-hmm. one of the big things that we say is, you know, so women will come to us who want a gender neutral suit. I know gender neutral sounds sometimes not awesome as a word or term for people, but um, there's the English language hasn't evolved uh, as as much as, you know, we need for, for yeah. the context of the clothing that we're making. But um, – you know, we, we'll use an example. Like people will come to us and they'll bring us a picture of, let's say, John Hamm. And mm-hmm. they're like, I want this. Mm-hmm. But but the truth is that 
you know, if we cut a suit where we exaggerate the chest and cinch the waist in, 90% of the time our clients will say, wow, this feels extremely feminine, hmm. which is strange because like if you look at Superman, giant chest, tiny little waist, that's sort of the paradigm of masculinity in our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've learned and we've learned to, to explain this is that we turn that relationship on its head. We bind the chest tighter. We give a little bit more room in the true waist area, which is the waist of the torso. Um, the effect is the same, but that internal din of, okay, is this masculine? Is this feminine? How does this make me present? gets a little quieter. And that's really what we're trying to do. Most people go into a store and they say, okay, does this fit me or does this not fit me? Well, our clients have one more level that they contend with, which is, does this make me feel masculine or feminine? Hmm. And that's that's gossamer. It's um, sort of vague in terms of you know, it's more a feeling. It's not necessarily a prescription of, of measurements. And so we have to navigate that just like they have to navigate that and get the suit to, to make sure that they feel great about it, but also that constant sort of voice in our heads that's always throwing, you know, that, that like, you know, doubt about the gender of the clothing that they're wearing mm-hmm. gets a little quieter. It doesn't go away, but it allows people to sort of enjoy themselves in the suits that they're wearing. This episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. One thing I heard you talking with... Uh, one of your customers about the other day was uh, the question of vents at the back. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, traditionally, uh, uh, you know, a two vented suit uh, is typical. So you've got this sort of flap at the back. A single vent uh, is going to be maybe slightly more formal or stylish in certain contexts, and you know, other uh, more gender, more masculine gender specific uh, custom suit makers like like Indochino, which is this big. Uh, uh, company in the space will tell you that a, a ventless jacket is going to be just for uh, tuxedos. tuxedos right? But in your case, you're thinking about these things very differently. You know, uh, does someone want to emphasize or de-emphasize mm-hmm. their their butt? Or you, you said bum to your customer, I think. Uh, Sometimes we ask, how do you feel about your bum? Yeah. And it's as invasive as it is, it's all, or weird, it's also really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not – so the way we look at suits, it's not – there's no rules for us. I'm wearing a J. Crew boy sweater right now and mm-hmm. I love it. it. It's a great sweater. Thank you. It costs like 15 <laughs> bucks. Um, it's, got a, it's got a little bear on it. So <laughs> yeah. Some fish. Is it fish? Uh, no, down at the bottom. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Well, bears do like fish. Yeah, it's very it's like a it's polar very, bear polar bear hunting under the ice right. I think is, is the story accurate. that your sweater tells. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> good for the weather today um but yeah it's not a huge thing for us is that we don't care about rules you know i tell people all the time like you know you can get tuxedo get a vent if you want it um some people think oh well you know just because a tuxedo is not supposed to have any vents some people think that's a mistake Mm -hmm. um you know people that 
when you want to feel a certain way, you're not running through what the prescription is. Um, most of our clients, you know, are let's say get are getting gay married at the you know at least during the summer. That's not a conventional thing. Hmm. So, who says that we have to you know sort of subscribe to all these like years and years of what's right, what's wrong, and for what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't get the the ultimate mission of feeling good is not contingent on obeying any rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we do is, you know, we look at what a suit means. I, I think I was might have been explaining it then, but uh, a few days ago when you were at our, our at our studio. But you know, it's it's a uniform. It makes people feel good. It comes from, you know, m- the military sort of uh, a silhouette. Uh, that's what a suit comes from, right? If you flap up the lapels, it actually has the manner and collar. Yeah. You can see it if you look at a Marine. I've done it here for, for the audience at home. I've just <laughs> flipped up the collar of my suit jacket. <laughs> um, but the, the the amazing thing is that once you realize that, you could do anything you want with clothing. Mm. And that's all – like that's how what we're, we're just focused on how people want to feel. Yeah. And our clients never care about what's supposed to be or what's not. Well, not to get too into the weeds about it, but you know, to the extent that – conventional, formal, and semi-formal suiting is inspired by or, or derivative of uh, the design history of military uniform wear. It seems like your challenge here is to work within the constraints that that medium imposes. I mean, there are certain things that you can do and not do. If you take off all the buttons, it's not going to quite work in exactly. exactly the same way that that someone maybe hopes it will. If you put too many buttons on, they're going to look sillier than than they might if their torso right. isn't really long. Uh on the one hand, working within those structural conventions, but on the other hand, insofar as it's a uniform, also letting them break free from uniformity, letting them express themselves. I agree with you. I mean, I think what what excites me about this company and what we're doing is that most of the needs that people have are for very conservative um, sort of cultural needs. I mean, business, um, weddings. Uh, just these old institutions that people require a suit for. But the way we're approaching it is really novel and progressive. And marrying the two between this conventional and progressive uh, approach is, I think, what makes it exciting um, and and new, again, in a sense. If it was all progressive, it wouldn't be anything. Yeah. Is there such a thing as a typical day for you? I'd like to say no, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A good day is when everyone's happy. and All the customers. All the customers are happy. No major alterations, no mistakes. Yeah. Um, You know. uh, Do you spend much time handling the business side of things? Payroll, uh, fabric ordering, submitting? I don't. Orders? No? Anymore. You have people that do that for you? Yeah. That must be a relief. It's a really, I mean, look, it's all, you know, like I was saying on my way up here, sometimes I feel like the owner, but oftentimes I feel like the victim of this company. So there's a <laughs> lot of, anytime you can kind of release some of that and pawn it off on somebody else. But uh, anything growing a company, like you have to learn to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've learned to let go of a lot of the facets that it, that it, that are required to, to run a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, our days, they're not, Every day we have five or six, seven different people 
with different histories and different needs coming in. So each client is so unique onto themselves that the day's never the same. But but that's typical at this point that we have five or six different amazing stories. Yeah. You know, each of our clients, we, we made a film, uh, I guess it was two summers ago, um, and it was just a, a, a just like a, we just took five kind of random clients, at least a sampling of our clientele, and we explored their stories. Um, and it was all done sort of through their need for suits. Mm-hmm. So they came to us, we were like the hub, but it wasn't about us at all. It was about the, their struggle and their accomplishments and their, you know, journey. Um, that we have that every day. If we mm-hmm. took a sampling of our clients every single day, you can make a movie about each of them, mm-hmm. um, and that's what's really exciting. Yeah. So what we've talked a little bit about this already, but tell us more about that interaction with customers when someone comes in for what you call a first fitting. What's the first thing you do? How do you start to set them at ease or, or engage with them? Uh, well, first, you always need to know where they're coming from. Um, like literally? Well, from? I mean, sometimes literally is part of the just the, the, the conversation itself, so it's not so abrupt. But really, you want to know what – I mean, and some people are better at communicating than others. Um, which is part of the challenge too. Like some people say, okay, this is my struggle. I've always wanted a suit. I can't get a suit to fit me because I have a bust. And, you know, uh, the short, when I go to the men's section, you know, I'll get a suit. And because it's designed for one body type and because I have a bust, I have to size up. And then my shoulders end up being gigantic. It throws my proportions off because my face, my shoulders are supposed to be proportional. Mm. And then instead of gender neutralizing me, it actually hypergenders me because it says, okay, well, I'm not supposed to be in this suit. That's what it communicates. Mm. Um, so people will, will approach us with, you know, a very uh, elegant and, 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 and beautiful sort of, you know, description of their struggle. And then others will come and they're saying, you know, they don't even want to talk about it. Like they don't, they're just like, I want to feel awesome and I don't know what else to tell you. Mm. Um, and sometimes you really have to kind of suss it out. You mm. have to look at what they're wearing and try to understand by very um, roundabout ways of, of understanding where they need to, how they need to feel. Mm. But some people are great. Some people walk in, they've got, you know, they're most of our clients are very educated. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, people who come to us for a custom suit are people who have their life together. Because mm-hmm. um, they're not cheap. I mean, they're not cheap. They're not. They're certainly not. You know, they're not free. Um, we try and keep our prices reasonable. But but what what it is is that people say, okay, I don't want to struggle with clothing anymore. This is something that I want to take control of. And usually someone who takes control of that is someone who's taking control in all facets of their life. So many of our clients are extremely bright and extremely accomplished. Um, and that helps because then we can have very high-level conversations about how they want to look. That's one advantage I never expected. And I, I love that. One thing I noticed in watching you work through one of these first fittings, though, is that you were also – doing sort of 
education about suiting. You're oh. t- some of the things that you've been sharing today, the details about uh, the structural history of a suit coming out of military wear or um, how uh, – which buttons to fasten even, which is something that you know some folks might not come in knowing if they've never worn mm-hmm. uh, a classic suit before that, that you don't traditionally button the bottom button or things. You know, you, you were just kind of slipping these details in, in there uh, along the way. Is that important to the work you do? It's, or is it just it's essential. It's essential because what we're doing is, you know, because ninety percent of our clientele are are women or transmasculine people, um, many of them, I'd say even most of them, have never worn a suit before. Mm. So you can't just be like, oh no, no, I got the, the like this is what a suit should look like, and that's the end. I mean, that doesn't really make someone feel confident. Um, if you show them why a suit fits the way it is, if you talk to them about why they might actually be wearing their pants lower on their waist, and it might be because of a trigger, um, it's not just the detailing of a suit. It's why the suit is cut the way it's cut. Um, sometimes even showing their own clothes, how it can look better if it looked this way the instead of that way. The clothes they're wearing that day. The clothes they're wearing that day. What that does is, you know, we call it, um, we call it mind wiping in a, in a sense, but you're really um, you're really sort of like reprogramming people. Mm. Um, when people have never fit into clothes properly, the big problem is you want to preempt some of that, you know, that shock because now they're going to get a custom suit that's going to fit them, and all of a sudden it's like, wait, this doesn't fit me because this is not how I see my body. Mm. It's like getting, you know, when you get your prescription changed a little bit, you think, oh, this is wrong even though it's actually right for your eyes. So, you know, we call that the wearing curve. So we want to explain to people constantly, we never stop talking about the strategies and the way clothing fits and the way it's supposed to fit and what we have to understand how it will will pull. It it is just fabric after all. Um, All of these things deprograms the mind to be more open to accepting this new silhouette that they're going to have. Are there other strategies or things you do to ensure that that they're comfortable uh, and at ease in the environment? In the environment of the store, or yeah. in the world, or well, yeah, sorry, in in the in the context of a fitting. Um, I mean, everyone's different, so some it really just depends on the conversations that we're having. So, uh. You know, sometimes people just talk about just by like listening to their stories mm-hmm. and just by letting people to finally go into a store and be heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're appointment only for a reason. So when that person is there getting fit, they're the only person in the world to us. Mm-hmm. Um, that alone is so powerful at building trust. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's, 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 I'd say it's it's the most important thing. So once you're there and saying, "Okay, tell me about yourself. We're here for you." That alone, like that, the guards start to drop, and people expect a certain feeling when they come here. So they're more receptive to the opportunity for us to provide that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, like, "Okay, well, we do this little exercise beforehand, <laughs> and now we're like on on the same page." It's not like that. People come and they just. They, 
once they're, I mean, how often can someone go into a store and say, and the store just says, tell us how you feel. Hmm. We want to feel, how do you feel about your bust? Yeah. You know, are we going to perhaps be taking testosterone at some point? Is that going to affect the suit? You know, let's talk about that. So other stores aren't doing that. And mm-hmm. because we're doing that, that kind of sets us apart a little bit. And we're doing it not because we're curious or, or trying to make them feel good, but we're actually trying to make sure that they feel the best in the suit that they get. Yeah. And because it's through that, the auspices of getting them to feel their best, uh, that is, that's amazing at, at building trust. It is almost a therapeutic quality to it, I imagine, like in some ways. 50%. Yeah. Do people ever have strong emotional reactions? We've had a lot. I mean, of course. I mean, yeah. human, we have, the, I, we feel that we have the, the greatest clientele, but we do have, um, you know, a big thing about a suit is a lot of people will put a lot of weight on, on what a, how a suit's going to make them feel. And a lot of our clients, not all, but some of them, many of them, um, can't help but feel like the suit's going to fix their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, finally, I'm going to get something that fits. It's going to be the panacea to everything. My whole struggle with gender and 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 how I how I present in in society, it's all going to be great now. And the truth is that a suit is cool, but it's just one milestone on this lifelong journey. Um, and sometimes that can feel anticlimactic. Mm-hmm. Um, I once had a client that took scissors and cut their suit up right mm-hmm. in front of me. You know, that took 10 weeks to make. Um, it's, it could be sad and it could be, um, you know, it, 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 we don't know, you know, the person that you were 10 minutes before you ever put that suit on is the same person you were 10 minutes after you put that suit on. And it's not the elixir. Um, so yeah, many, many strong, I mean, we've had people who just broke down in tears. I mean, you can, you can only imagine, like, imagine how, imagine you've struggled your whole life and then you put the suit on and it, it doesn't fit the way you want it to fit or it doesn't communicate the way you want to communicate inside. You're thinking, well, of course. Who? What was I thinking? Of course, this isn't going to work. Things don't work for me in this realm, um, and that's a very painful feeling. And we are the mirror of that. We're on the we're on the front line. So the suits, you know, sometimes we get a lot of the brunt, and we make mistakes all the time. Remember, we're trying to decipher what people how people want to feel, mm. and we can miss it. Um, yeah, it's not easy. You seem like an empathetic, very empathetic person, both of professional necessity uh, based on what you you do and how you do it, but also uh, it's just the sense I get from you. Do you ever have emotional responses when someone else does? I mean, do you have to like bottle your own feelings down and stuff? You know, I think about it all the time. I th- uh, what I don't, I don't get emotional in the store with our clients, and I think that. Sadly, I'm I'm probably so into making sure that they are pleased that it's like it's like a pilot sort of getting over the miracle of flight kind of thing. Like mm. you you just got to fly this plane to make sure everyone gets down safely. I, I've used this analogy before. 
Um, you know, when you're in a battle and you're, um, you're not really unsure or aware of if you're winning or not. Mm. Like take World War One; these guys are in the trenches. Like you don't know if the enemy is retreating or not, or if if your comrades are gaining territory. You're just trying to stay alive, and that's really what the fitting to me feels like. All I need, all I want, is for them to smile and be excited. Mm. Um, their their emotions are are constantly informing me. So I'm always thinking about, okay, how is that going to, how should that be translated into the suit? I'm not in the space of the struggle. I have my own struggles, of course, um, but I'm not so mired in their struggle or then I think it would prevent me from doing my job. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. What are some of the other things you do in that first fitting to figure out what someone wants? I mean, you have to talk them through, I guess, details of the suit that they're looking for itself, Mm -hmm. for example. We talk about cloth. Mm -hmm. We talk about, um, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many parts to making a suit, right? When we talk about lots of people have specific needs in terms of how it should fit, how it should look. They they bring us pictures or Pinterests. Um, to me, all of that stuff doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So someone comes and they want this color and this texture. I I think that that's all lovely, mm-hmm. but totally irrelevant to, to their happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, people are very focused at that first fitting on the cloth. To me, or the color, to me, um, just because I've been to so many second and third fittings, once that suit comes in and people put it on from the mirror, they are no longer even thinking about the color. Hmm. All they're checking is how does this make me feel? Hmm. And if you have a dark blue, a medium blue, a gray, Prince of Wales, a herringbone, (laughs) None of those are going to save you and how you feel. They don't inform us uh-huh. in how we feel. What does inform us, though? The the silhouette. The silhouette is everything. That's how we look at ourselves. You know, when you got up in the morning and you put on that really cool sport jacket that you have on, you weren't thinking, oh, I look great today. It's speckled. You said, I, you look at it, you look at the shape, you look at how it presents, you look at how it makes your face look. You say, okay, I can go on the wall. Now, it's nice that it's speckled. It is nice. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, that's like a thing. For the that... listener at home, I am, in fact, wearing a speckled coat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that, that first fitting, you've, you've figured out what they want. You've figured out what their measurements are. You've done a lot of potentially very emotional work with them about figuring out their priorities and such. Um, 
those measurements, those details, that all goes off to your uh, your factory in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Ten weeks later, approximately. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's earlier, sometimes it's, it's a little later, depending on how quickly the whole ecosystem works. Shipping and everything. Like Shipping because we're ordering fabrics from from Scotland or yeah. from you know Great Britain or England, sometimes yeah. from Ireland even. Yeah. Um, you know, and everything, especially during wedding season, you know, the whole oh, the whole ecosystem is sort of taxed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then they go ahead and they make it, and there's actually. Every single day we have a meeting about the orders that we put in. Hmm. So, um, you know, my work day really starts at 11 p.m. Hmm. Um, because that's when our factory starts working. Hmm. Um, so all the day's orders need to be discussed before, you know, things happen. Um, and then, then we get it back in our store about 10, you know, sometimes nine weeks later. And then we, we make uh, we send out emails to those whose suits are ready. Come on in and let's have that second fitting. Um, and that's when that's really where the action is. Mm-hmm. The first fitting is fun. Everyone loves you in the first fitting. <laughs> uh, second fitting is where the challenge is because it's like okay, well, you know that therapy that we were just talking about. Well, let's see how that did. Yeah, and uh, you know that our theory and and the ideas get proved mm. and you know you never know if it's going to fit because you don't have this wax figure of every client in your office that you can try the suit on yeah. so you, re- yeah you don't know until we don't know. they walk back in right right yeah. we wish we did um but you really can't know what happens if someone doesn't like the suit if it doesn't fit right by their standards, their hopes, their expectations? Well, we have a complete alteration center inside of our studio. So we do all the alterations there, but sometimes we have to remake it. Mm. Um, you know, it's a lot harder to restore an old house than it is to just build a new one. So sometimes you just say, you know what, let's just remake this suit instead of having this go back and forth and sort of modify it and modify it and modify it doesn't make sense sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we try and kind of speed that process up on the second. We can prioritize certain things. Um, you know, people who have weddings, those are deadlines with teeth. You know, if we have to remake it, we'll then expedite that that remake, you know, mm-hmm. that remaking process. Um, you know, most of the time it fits, but we are in the custom world. And the custom world is very much like, I mean, you've probably had this where you sit down to write something and what was in your mind doesn't really come out on paper the way you wanted it to. Literally every day. <laughs> right. Writing is, is like people – writers feel like it's like pulling teeth, right? It's Sometimes, yeah. Um, so that that's sort of – now you know it's also in other it's realms. always good to know. <laughs> uh what are the kind of details that you're you're looking at? I mean, their response is one thing, but you're also looking at how the suit sits on their body. Are there particular uh, issues that you watch out for at that point? Sure. Um, we look for shoulders. Shoulders are very important, especially because they're not adjustable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we take shoulder measurements very seriously. Um, you know, if the shoulders are too big, did you ever see Beetlejuice? Remember in the end when they mm. shrink the heads? Yes. That's like what people can look like when the yeah. shoulders don't fit. Um, if they're too small, you can't move in them. Mm-hmm. You know, I am 
usually more focused when I see the suit looks good and it looks correct and, you know, and I love it and I love it for them um, and they're not convinced, that's where the sort of the massaging comes in because we have to explain to them, look, you're not doing somersaults in this suit. You do have a limited mobility in a custom suit. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who are getting things off the rack that are slightly too big, they put on our suits and they're like, I can't move the mm-hmm. same way. Especially if you have high armholes or... Higher, well, higher armholes can give you a little bit more mobility actually. But oh, okay. Yeah. My mistake. So the lower armhole, it's like it lifts the whole suit. Like, oh, yeah. Like a I guess I never thought of it that way. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like think about it like if you look, watch Downton Abbey or some of these, you know, if you look at old hunting jackets uh-huh. or World War II bomber jackets, they're very small. Yeah. They're not like too small, but they're small. They have vertical... Uh, uh, Pleats in the mm-hmm. back behind the behind the uh, shoulders, so people can lift their arms. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for hunting jackets, so they can lift their their rifle. Yes. Um, you know, a clean back is really a beautiful thing for a suit, but that also means that you don't have a lot of room when you time to move your arms mm-hmm. forward or up. Um, so we have to like explain that to people, or people will look at a cloth and say, "Why is it pulling like by the button?" Well, it's cloth. Mm. And cloth has to behave like cloth. It's not stamped steel. Hmm. Um, and that's a huge thing because the wearing, wearing suits and, and understanding that the suit's going to behave like a suit, um, and not like the picture that you have that you took out of GQ is really, really important. Right. And then there's also that third fitting, which, is just about is that just about making sure that the alterations you've made in house work out? Correct. Exactly. The third fitting and you know, there has been fourth and fifth fittings sure. too. But yeah, the third fitting is usually where they take it home mm-hmm. um and they're good to go. Usually it's small alterations here and there. Do you get people coming back for more suits down the road? A lot. I'd say about thirty percent. Wow. Yeah. I mean, look, some people would love to come back, but they're not getting married again. Sure. Um but yeah, I mean, the the beauty of what we're doing is that once people, you know, a lot of our clients will go into a store, they can't find anything that fits them. They find something that fits them and they buy 10 of them because mm-hmm. they never know, right. you know, this is fits you, go for it. Just get all of them. Um, so whether clothing fits in the being able to purchase clothing that fits you again in the future is the bane of a lot of people's existences. A lot mm-hmm. of our clients, or a lot of our clients have that struggle. So we keep everything on file. Mm-hmm. So now they can relax knowing that this suit that they love, they can get it again for the next 500 years mm-hmm. because they can keep ordering it. We keep it on file. They can edit it a little bit. They can make changes to it. Mm-hmm. But their template is on file and they're going to be like, you know, great. So I can relax. And when I need something else, I want a sport jacket. I want a tweed sport jacket. I've always wanted that. Can you make it for me? Sure. Same fit. Yeah, sure. Hmm. You know, so that's really nice. That's a be- the beauty of, of encouraging people to, to return is the predictability, the consistency. What does it feel like for you after going through this whole process to, see a suit finished on a body ideally perfect oh it feels great it feels great not because they're they have a suit that fits them it feels great because 
when someone's happy, you know, it's it's huge. It's like a, it, it's like writing something and then someone reads it and it makes their life better somehow. That's a very awesome thing, and it's, a, it's something that you know they they've done like studies on what makes um uh what makes uh job satisfaction high. You know, they, 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 they study job satisfaction. I think like the lowest or one of the lowest ends of the job satisfaction uh, spectrum is, um, you know, toll booth operators because they really, you're just handing something out. You really don't get to see the, the fruits of your labor. If there are any fruits of your labor, you're replaceable on some level. Um, and, you know, the other side of it is they actually think like hairdressers. Uh, stylists, because you get to see someone's reaction within an hour, whether they like it or not. And even if they don't like it, you get to see the results of your labor. So we actually get to be in that really high job satisfaction area because we get to see directly the face of our efforts, whether they like it or not. That feedback is very healthy and it feels good. It sounds great. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure for us, too. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. This week, we want to give a shout-out to Slate's Culture Fest. The award-winning Culture Fest features Slate culture critics Stephen Metcalf, Dana Stevens, and Julia Turner debating the week in culture from highbrow to pop. Here at Working, uh, we also always welcome your thoughts about working itself. Uh, tell us about the work we're doing. If you want to, uh, you can email us at working at slate.com. You can also listen to past episodes at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced and edited by Benjamin Fresh. Benjamin Fresh.